0: Welcome, everyone, welcome to WrestleMania Salvation. My name is Sal. I am your host, and tonight we take a look at WrestleMania 27 live from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you guys knew what time I was recording this episode, what ungodly hour I was recording this episode, you would think that I'm fucking crazy. And I am crazy. I'm crazy about reviewing wrestling on podcasts. Justin Roberts welcomes us to WrestleMania. Introduces us to Grammy nominated multi platinum recording artist in Atlanta's own, Kerry Hilson. Grammy nominated, huh? You couldn't even get a Grammy award winning? Oh well. Kerry gives a non award winning performance. And then we get this hokey intro.
1: The Georgia Dome in beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. The WWE presents WrestleMania. Eyebrow raising supernova of entertainment. The great one has many nicknames. The most man in showbiz
0: today, he's the Rock! Definitely not my favorite WrestleMania intro, but at least this leads to the tracksuit wearing, no hair growing, goosebump inducing great one himself. The Rock returns to WrestleMania for the first time in seven years. What the fuck was Rock doing for the past seven years, you ask? Churning out movies like a motherfucker. I think he starred in, like, 10 to 15 at this point. Some of them were straight to DVD. But nevertheless, uh, Rock definitely established himself as a premier actor in Hollywood. I mean... Today, he's like the actor in Hollywood, which is crazy to think that eight years later, he's even more fucking popular and even more in demand. But still, in 2011, it was a big fucking deal for The Rock to come back to the WWE. Now, Rock comes to the ring. He cuts his promo. He hits all his greatest hits in his lines. And he promises us... <laughs> that this will be the greatest WrestleMania of all time. So, apparently, Rock getting in some training for that much rumored run for office in 2020, Rock also uses opportunity to take a couple of verbal jabs at John Cena. Gee, I wonder where this is going. And just in case you were wondering, yes, The Rock has already called John Cena. A fruity pebble looking bitch in the lead-up to this show so all that being said who's the WWE champion again cuz he wasn't mentioned in that promo but more on that in just a little bit first we get the actual WrestleMania welcome video and I'm not kidding it starts playing 15 minutes into the broadcast To their credit, still the best produced pay-per-view opening package every fucking year. They blow the pyro budget in 10 seconds as Michael Cole calls WrestleMania the pinnacle of pulp culture. And we go to the ring for our first match. Match number one, we start off tonight with the World Heavyweight Championship. Current champion Edge defending against... The number one contender, the Royal Rumble winner. Alberto Del Rio If I wanted to, I could roll my Rs as much and as fantastic as his personal ring announcer, but I'm not I'm not going to do that tonight. Because fuck Del Rio, he's a piece of shit. Alberto Del Rio is introduced by aforementioned personal ring announcer Ricardo Rodriguez, who honestly does a fantastic job. Son of a bitch, I miss Ricardo Rodriguez doing his over-the-top announcements in Spanish. Del Rio emerges out of a classic Rolls-Royce and a scarf around his neck to boot. And now, all I want is for MJF to come out in a Rolls Royce at the next AEW pay-per-view. We then hear the voice of Josh Matthews, and I cringe. We hear the voice of Jerry the King Lawler, who is ignored by Cole, and at this point I realize that, oh, fuck me. It's this WrestleMania. I had forgotten... That it was this Wrestlemania. What am I talking about? We'll, we'll, We'll get to that later. Just understand it has to do with the commentators. We are told that Del Rio earned this opportunity by winning the Royal Rumble XL in January, which had 40 fucking people in it. And as much as I hate Del Rio, and trust me, I fucking hate Del Rio... The last two people in that match were him and Santino Marella. So, gun to my head, I guess I'm glad Santino didn't win the fucking Royal Rumble. We then see Brodus Clay at ringside, who is apparently Del Rio's bodyguard, but wasn't in the car. So, Del Rio comes to the ring in a Rolls Royce. And his lackeys, his bodyguard and his personal ring announcer... Have to walk to the ring like a couple jobbers. Who got it. Christian then comes out, and he will be in Edge's Corner tonight. We then see Lawler and Josh Matthews at the announcer's desk. We hear Cole, but we don't see Michael Cole. The camera pans out, and Cole is sitting in a glass box of emotion that he calls the Coal Mine basically his own own private announce table surrounded by plexiglass he confirms my worst fear that he will be fighting Jerry Lawler tonight in Lawler's first Wrestlemania match of his career to which I say fuck Edge comes out and gets a huge pop 23 minutes into this show and the bell rings for the first match. 23 minutes. Negative points. Del Rio starts by going after Edge's arm, as Cole and Lawler take verbal shots at each other. Am I really going to have to put up with this all night? Del Rio continues to focus the attack on the arm, including an arm drag from the top rope. Considering what's going on with Edge's end this night... I'm kind of surprised he took that bump. Edge gets locked in the cross-arm breaker but makes it to the ropes. Edge tries to mount a comeback but gets an integrity while on the top rope. Edge kicks out after two and a half as Christian and Brodus Clay start fighting on the outside. Brodus flattens Christian with a clothesline and throws Edge shoulder-first into the ring post behind the ref's back. Del Rio then locks in in the cross-arm breaker, again in the center of the ring. Edge reverses this somehow into a standing knee bar, but Del Rio escapes. As Del Rio gets to his feet, he is speared by Edge, and Edge pins him to retain his title. Your winner, and still World Heavyweight Champion, the Rated-R Superstar, Edge. Edge. Now, earlier I mentioned I was surprised Edge took a bump off the top rope. And the reason I was surprised is, and I didn't know this watching WrestleMania live at the time, Edge's neck was in really bad shape. So much so that this would actually be Edge's last match of his career. The following night on Raw, Edge would come out, relinquish the title, And retire from in-ring action. It's a shame because I, I, you know, given his age at this point, Edge probably had a lot of years left in him. But with the spinal fusion surgeries, they basically told him that one more bump the wrong way and he could be paralyzed. So... Unfortunately, Edge's career is over. And it was fun to see him retain the world heavyweight title tonight, a title I feel he helped build some prestige into. Now, that all that being said, that might explain Edge's actions after the match. He walks up to Del Rio's Rolls-Royce. He starts kicking it, he starts punching it. Del Rio begs him to stop. Christian comes out from the back, which is weird because I thought Brodus Clay murdered him. He hands Edge a tire iron, and he himself has a lead pipe. Edge then scratches up the doors and breaks some of the windows. Christian stands there with the pipe and does absolutely nothing. Him and Christian then leave, and Del Rio pretty much sits there and cries in front of his car. It's pretty... Pathetic, actually. Shame, we won't see Edge anymore, but this post-match stuff with the car was uh, was kind of fucking lame. Cole then threatens Jerry Lawler, and Lawler appropriately calls him a moron. Match number two, not-so-dashing Cody Rhodes versus Rey Mysterio. Why isn't Cody dashing anymore at this point? Well, because the future EVP of AEW got his nose broken by Ray, so now he wears a protective mask to the ring a la Rip Hamilton. Tonight, Ray is dressed as Captain America. Sadly, Ray could have dressed as Superman, and it wouldn't have saved him from the beating Cody lays on him. Cody pounds on Ray throughout most of the match. Cody hits Ray with a delayed suplex, which was actually pretty impressive considering Cody held him in the air while standing on the turnbuckle for a good 15 (laughs) seconds, if not 30. Every time Ray tries to mount a comeback, Cody cuts him off and regains control. After reversing a 619, Cody actually rips Ray's knee brace off, and Ray responds with ripping off Cody's mask. He then hits... Cody in the face with the 619. That's the move that broke his nose in the first place. Cody kicks out and Ray puts Cody's mask over his own and hits him with a diving headbutt. But Cody kicks out again. Cody kicks Ray in the knee that had the knee brace and as the ref checks on Ray Cody rolls to the outside. Mysterio goes to grab him and Cody grabs the knee brace and decks Ray with it. Cody then slides in the ring and hits Crossroads for the win. Your winner, George's own Cody Rhodes, who actually gets a pretty strong pop from the hometown crowd. Cody, true to his character, immediately tries to hide his disfigured face. You know, the face that looks exactly the same before and after the supposed broken nose. But credit to Cody for running with this gimmick and trying to make the most of it. Even back then, Cody had a lot of commitment when it came to that shit. We go to match number three. Match number three is an eight-man tag. It features The Core versus The Big Show, Kane, Santino Marella, and Kofi Kingston. Now, for anyone who tried to forget... The core was a cheap knockoff of the Nexus, which they came up with after the original Nexus fell apart. The core is made up of Wade Barrett, the Intercontinental Champion Ezekiel Jackson. Yeah, you fucking heard me. And the tag team champions Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel. The match starts out as a brawl, and then Santino hits Heath Slater with a little snake. Oh, I'm sorry. It's called the Cobra. And Big Show fists Slater's face. And Big Show pins him for the win. Your winner, the faces. That match was 50 seconds? A minute and 10? It was pretty pointless. We head backstage where Rock is flirting with WWE Divas Champion Eve Torres until an old friend shows up.
1: It looks like you uh, got your wish. Time to make more dreams come true. Mm. Oh. Hey! Hey, Young, how you doing? So good to see you. You said you love the divas. I do love the diva. She's a divasaurus. Uh, but, but May, uh, how can I help you? How can you help me? Yeah. I want the people strudel. You want the people strudel. Right. Big fella. Yeah. Uh, well, May, there should be other strudels that you should be craving from other people, okay. like Moses. <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, May, this is our champion, Diva Champion Eve. Eve, this is May.
0: Hi, May.
1: Eve, like your childhood friends, Adam and Eve. (laughs) she told me to say it. Inappropriate joke. Look, let me tell you something. Don't you be making the jokes out of that because I'm the one and only great May Young. I know you are the one and only great May Young. And And I'll never get old. And you'll never get old. You'll be kicking ass forever. That's right. I know that. Eve, will you please escort May to her seats? Enjoy the show, because I'm going to electrify tonight. Thank you very much. You ready? Oh! May. Frisky May. Inappropriate May. Couldn't have been anyone else coming around that corner. Anyone else coming around the corner? It's good to see you. You ready to kick some ass tonight? always am. You. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to bring it. Really? You should remember that. Good seeing you. It's good seeing you, too.
0: Time for a little sneak peek behind the curtain. When i started recording that audio i forgot about Mae's part in that skit but it was hilarious so i left it in match number four cm punk versus randy orton to sum up this feud punk and the new nexus cost randy orton the wwe title in his rematch with the miz the miz of all people in 2011 who became wwe champion by cashing in Money in the Bank about a month or so prior, which of course gave fame to Angry Miz Girl and future memes all over social media for years to come. Punk, of course, spins this to payback from Randy Orton costing him his World Heavyweight title in 2008. Sure. You want to tie this into a feud from three years ago that had no resolution? Go for it. That being said, 2011 would be the start of an amazing year for CM Punk, but um, more on that next episode. By the way, while Punk waits ringside during Orton's entrance, I noticed that atrocious, ab- atrocious abomination known as the Anonymous Raw General Manager Podium is in the background. I refuse to talk about that creative disaster until I'm forced to, so hopefully that dumb laptop and that stupid fucking email chime stay silent for the time being Punk spends the match methodically destroying Orton's left knee great maliciousness from Punk, an amazing selling by Orton here, which is not something I say often about Randy Orton Punk even goes so far as to apply the figure four around the ring post, a la 1997 Bret Hart. Punk eventually locks Orton in the Anaconda Vice in the middle of the ring, but Orton finds his way to the ropes. Orton starts to mount a comeback and goes for the punt, but Orton's knee can't hold up. PUNK leaves the ring and tries to hit him with a springboard forearm, but... (laughs) Your winner, Randy Orton. Uh, I gotta say, the RKO was beautiful. It was fucking beautiful, and it was before, like, anybody who jumped off anything get hit with an RKO, so you weren't expecting it. And I gotta say, that was a fun match, and some good storytelling, some good in-ring physical storytelling by both guys. Now, both guys are gonna be doing much bigger things as 2011 goes on, but, you know, more on that next episode. Next stage, rock talks to gene oakland but they are interrupted by john cena's number one fan
1: i think things are going to get really ugly here because i heard john cena's number one fan is upset with me and he's coming here to confront me actually rock he's already here at you. John Cena's number one fan. Everything John Cena stands for. What do you got to say for yourself, John Cena, number one fan? You can't see me. You can't see me! You can't see me! Do you realize how ridiculous you sound and look, doing, saying all that hot garbage? Pee-wee. The Roxy's potential potential to be a man really? yes you gotta ask yourself do you wanna be a man on team bring it or do you wanna be a little boy on the fruit loop troop so if you wanna be on the fruit loop troop this is what you're gonna look like me and Gene (laughs) he looks like a tool
0: (laughs) I know you are but what am I? me a Take
1: that garbage off. The Pee-Wee Herman sees your point. I'm in. I want to be on Team Bring-it. You want to be on Team Bring-it? Yeah. You want to be a man? Yeah. Then there's one thing you need to do, Pee-Wee. You know what it is.
0: To be fair, it was mildly funny. Like, I chuckled. I grinned a couple times. Next, we get the Hall of Fame inductions. Abdullah the Butcher. And then after him released on her own recognizance, Sunny is here. The Road Warriors, represented by Animal and Paul Ellering. Because Hawk is dead. Shoot. He is. Like, that's a shoot. He is dead. Not like he got pushed off the Titan Tron. Uh, Drew Carey is next from the Celebrity Wing. Road Dogg's father, and I believe Brad Armstrong's father, Bullet Bob Armstrong. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who got a huge pop, much louder than he had any right to get. <laughs> And your headliner... The man who was retired at last year's Wrestlemania by The Undertaker... The Heartbreak Kid... Shawn Michaels! All of the entrants... Very well deserved... Well, most of them were very well deserved... Although considering how Sunny ends up showcasing her Hall of Fame ring... Maybe Vince wants that one back. Just saying. We then get a recap package of the quote-unquote feud between Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. Basically, it comes down to this. Lawler was fighting Miz in a ladder match for the WWE title. A title Lawler has never received a shot at in his entire career going back to the early 90s when he signed with the WWE. Cole cost Lawler the match, because at the time, Cole was Miz fan number one. In this process, he then turned heel, because what we all needed in our lives was Michael Cole to compete in a wrestling match. Match number five, Jerry the King Lawler versus Michael Cole. Josh Josh Matthews introduces the commentators that will actually call the match as opposed to wrestling it. And out comes Booker T and good old JR. Michael Cole then comes out with no music, but he has a microphone and decides to spend his time making fun of Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. It's worth noting, by the way, that Cole is dressed head to toe in Syracuse Orange. He has an orange singlet, he has an orange hoodie, he has an orange headgear. He might as well have came out there dressed like Otto, the Syracuse orange mascot. Jack Swagger then makes his way out. Jack Swagger's role in this feud is he was Michael Cole's quote-unquote trainer. For those of you wondering... Yes, you are correct, Jack, did win the Money in the Bank at last year's WrestleMania. He cashed in Money in the Bank, he won the world title, he lost the world title, and now he can't even get booked in a match this year. Your special guest referee for the evening, Stone Cold Steve Austin, then makes his way to the ring. He comes out there in classic Austin fashion, which of course means he's on a four-wheeler. And he almost runs Jack Swagger over, which would have been pretty funny if he actually did. Finally, Jerry the King Lawler comes out to what I would call a nice reception. Not an overwhelming reception. Not like a thundering reception. Maybe if they were in Memphis, but at least it was a nice reception. Before the match even starts, Swagger tries to attack Lawler. But Lawler dispatches the former world heavyweight champion pretty easily. Cole begs off and then locks himself in the uh, coal mine. He tries to get Lawler to call off the match and even extends his hand through the little window that Cole has in his plexiglass palace. Lawler grabs his arm, pretending to shake his hand, and then pulls... Cole by the arm repeatedly into the glass. Actually kind of comical. Lawler then climbs over the friggin' plexiglass and gets inside the cube and starts beating the shit out of Michael Cole. (laughs) Lawler drags Cole out of the cube and throws him into that stupid fucking anonymous draw jam podium, which I approve of. Cole distracts Austin, which of course allows Swagger to beat on Lawler. Swagger takes Lawler and throws him into the ring. And all of a sudden, Cole spends the next five minutes beating the tar out of Jerry Lawler's ankle. It's grueling. It's grueling for us, the viewers, Because we have to watch Michael Cole do wrestling moves. He even goes as far to apply the ink Cole lock. I'm not the one who fucking thought of it. Don't get mad at me. But Lawler escapes. Lawler starts pounding on Cole in the corner. And Swagger throws in the towel. Legit. He had a white towel, and he threw it in, and he was like, that's enough. Austin takes the towel, wipes the sweat off his forehead, and throws it in Swagger's face. Swagger gets in the ring and tries to object, but gets kicked in the stomach and gets a stunner. He deserved it. Cole, seeing this and realizing the end is near, decides to get in Austin's face screaming at him in a Bully Ray style, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Wow. Never thought I'd see Michael Cole screaming that at Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin pushes Cole into Lawler. Lawler punches Cole in the face... He then continues punching Cole and even gives him the fist drop from the second rope. He gets an easy two-count, but then Lawler pulls Cole up. Lawler applies an ankle lock of his own, and Cole frantically taps out and screams that he gives up. Austin slowly asks him if he gives up, even though Cole is screaming that he gives up. And then Cole... Not only screams that he gives up, but when Austin asks him a second time if he gives up, Cole pretty much pulls out a Daniel Bryan yes champ. <laughs> At this point, Austin mercifully calls for the bell. So your winner, Jerry the King Lawler. Afterwards, Austin has a beer bash with Lawler. Booker T tries to join in. He does a wrestlemania size spin Rooney. Austin gets a kick out of it and gives him a beer. Austin then celebrates by kicking Booker in the stomach and giving him a stunner. You had to see that one coming. I'm sorry. Austin and Lala celebrate, and my mood is a little bit somber at this point because of what happens next. The fucking chime goes off on the laptop. This is the one time that I wish I was doing this episode with Jeff and that it was his, his computer making that noise, and not the anonymous Raw General Manager's. Josh Matthews gets up from the desk and reads the email which states, the referee has clearly overstepped his boundaries. Therefore, Jerry Lawler has been disqualified, and this match has been awarded to Michael Cole. Your actual winner... Michael fucking Cole. Can someone... Please... Explain to me... Why Michael Cole... Needs to keep his heat. Seriously? Jerry Lawler... Gives you 20 fucking years... Or at this point we'll say 15... Of himself to your company. And you can't even give him a stupid comedy moment against Michael fucking Cole. No, we had to give Cole the win, right? What the fuck? So fucking stupid. Lawler thinks it's stupid. And Lawler grabs Josh Matthews by the friggin' neck, throws him in the ring, and Josh Matthews gets stunned by Steve Austin. Now, just to prove just how bad this whole situation was, the Matthew stunner gets virtually no reaction because people are so, like, disgusted that Michael Cole now holds a win over Jerry Lawler. (laughs) So awful. After that, we go to an access highlight package. After that, Jim Ross has decided to stay at the commentary booth along with a dejected Jerry Lawler. You know what? Cole and Lawler, the rest... I'm sorry. Ross and Lawler, the rest of the night, I'll take it. <laughs> Anything's better than heel Michael Cole. Next up, we get a highlight package for Triple H versus The Undertaker. Two things about this feud that I must point out immediately. Numerous reports are that the WWE tried to sign Sting. And they were going to do Sting versus Taker because it was in Atlanta. For whatever reason, whether it was money, which some people have reported, or perhaps it was Sting not wanting to perform for the WWF in WCW's hometown of Atlanta, WWF slash E, because it was WWF when Sting was there. For whatever reason... Sting signing at this point and facing the Undertaker at WrestleMania in Atlanta never came to fruition. So instead, they just subbed in Triple H. Second thing, though, is they play this up the entire time, purposely ignoring the fact that Taker has already beat Triple H at WrestleMania 17. Come on, guys. Really? You can't just ignore your own history because it doesn't play into your narrative. But then again, that's always just been the Vince way. Triple H claims he'll he'll die trying to end the streak. Taker claims there can only be one outlaw. So, a lot of hyperbole and we haven't even started the match yet. Match number 6, Triple H versus The Undertaker. No holds barred. Now, despite what Nitro Mania's own Adam might believe, no holds barred in the WWE means no disqualification, no countouts. There are no holds barred. Meaning, if you want to take... ...a ring bell... ...and crack someone over the head with it... ...that is not barred. Are we good now? Just saying. In something I fucking completely did not remember... ...Triple H's entrance begins with a... ...don't sue us, it's different enough" version... ...of Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls... ...complete with bell tolling and heavy metal guitars... As much as I know this is a ripoff, this, along with the Viking warriors, insert your own joke here, shielding Triple H as he makes his way to the ring in his Skull King attire is pretty fucking amazing. In fact, I'll go as far as to say this entrance was fucking unreal. Undertaker gets his typical entrance with all the smoke and the fire and... It's it's fine. It's, it's okay. Undertaker and Triple H immediately start off throwing haymakers and it quickly spills to the outside. Triple H then launches Taker through Cole's cube and the whole fucking thing falls apart. Sadly, Michael Cole was not inside of it. They continue to just beat the fuck out of each other until Triple H goes for a pedigree through the announced table. Taker reverses it and backdrops the game from the table to the floor. Nicely done. They continue to brawl until Triple H puts Taker through the announce table with a spine buster. Ouch. More brawling will eventually lead to a steel chair being introduced into the match. As Taker goes to give Triple H a headshot with the chair, Triple H kicks him in the stomach and gives him a pedigree. Triple H manages to kick out. It is, after all, WrestleMania. Triple H then mounts Taker in the corner with punches, and to the shock of no WWE fan alive, Taker turns this into the last ride. Triple H then kicks out at two and a half. Taker then plants Triple H with a tombstone right in the center, but Triple H somehow, someway, manages to kick out at the very last second. Triple H then nails The Undertaker with a second pedigree, and Taker kicks out at two and a half. So Triple H picks him up and hits him with a third pedigree. And Taker still kicks out. Okay, two pedigrees back-to-back. That might be a little bit much. Just saying. What to do now, what to do, what to do? Well, as WrestleMania has taught us in the past, if your opponent won't stay down, just wail on him with a chair until he doesn't get up anymore. And that's exactly what Triple H does. Triple H takes a steel chair and hits Taker about 15 times across his back. Triple H then does what at this point was the unfathomable. He waits for Taker to get up and he nails him with the chair shot to the top of of the head. Holy shit. A headshot from a steel chair in 2011. Hunter. For shame. Side note. Triple H was fined fucking heavily in real life for that. Because nobody knew he was doing that. Triple H, however, takes way Way too long to go for the cover. And Taker actually starts to get up with no pinfall attempt whatsoever. How do you hit a guy in the head with a steel chair after the move being banned for like six years at this point and you don't cover him? But whatever. Triple H screams to Taker to stay down until Taker stumbles to his feet. Triple H then tombstones The Undertaker. That is not a misprint. I did not write those names backwards. Triple H, then Tombstones, The Undertaker. That has to be the end of the match, right? Well, tell me if you heard this one before. Taker manages to kick out. Now, in complete shock, Triple H goes under the ring and gets the sledgehammer. As Triple H looks to give Taker the proverbial death blow, he reaches down to grab Taker by the hair, And Taker locks Triple H in the Hell's Gate. Triple H then spends the next two minutes struggling mightily to try to escape it, to try to use the sledgehammer to help him escape it. Triple H is, to his credit, trying anything possible to break the hold. And after almost two solid minutes... An oxygen-deprived Triple H finally, finally, taps out. Your winner in 19-0, The Undertaker. Somehow, some way, the dead man rises to the occasion once again at WrestleMania and finds a way to win. Pretty fucking epic match, and despite the jokes, I appreciate the story these two told. Fireworks explode in the Georgia Dome as we get the 19-0 graphic on the screen. Taker does not celebrate, however, as Taker is still lying pretty much dead on the canvas. Triple H is the first one at his feet, Triple H stumbles to the outside, and then he actually watches as the dead man has to be carted off to the back. They tried to help Taker to his feet, but he just collapsed. I mean, that's an image for you. Taker wins the match, but he's literally carted off to the back. But more on that next year. Next up, what we have is, we'll call it a public begging for mainstream publicity. It is a six person tag match. John Morrison, a returning Trish Stratus, and Jersey Shore Zone Snooky versus Lay Cool and Dolph Ziggler with Vicky Guerrero. Now, Snooky gained fame by her time on the reality show Jersey Shore, a show I was actually a fan of. Primarily because it was a train wreck. Also kind of reminded me of the people I grew up with. Hey, grew up in Somerville, Medford, East Boston. Very Italian influencing neighborhoods. And the fucks in East Boston really did look like these fucks in Jersey Shore. But anyway, nevertheless. I was even a fan of Snooky. I really was. Um, I don't really understand the point of Trish Stratus' WrestleMania return being crammed into this. But, you know, it is what it is. Now, Snooki actually gets a, a pretty decent reaction from the crowd when she's introduced. As she makes her way into the ring, Lay Cool tried to jump Trish and Snooki before the bell. This somehow leads to Dolph Ziggler getting slapped across the face by Snooki which was kind of funny, although it would have been even funnier if she just punched him instead of slapped him. Michelle McCool officially starts the match against Trish Stratus. They fight for a little bit. Um, Michelle instantly tries to go for the Styles Clash. Trish reverses it into an X-Factor. Trish then nails both McCool and Layla with a clothesline from the apron to the floor outside. Trish then nails Michelle McCool with a chick kick... But Dolph Ziggler breaks it up. This leads to John Morrison attacking Dolph and throwing him to the outside. And then Morrison hits Starship Pain from the top rope to the outside. The twisting split-legged moonsault. Well done. Snooki gets tagged in to what it can only be described as a mixed reaction. But Snooky immediately nails Michelle McCool with a double-flip handspring elbow. Nicely done by the former cheerleader. She then hits a cartwheel splash for the win. Your winners. Snooki, Trish Stratus, and John Morrison. Hey, good on Snooky. She did better with two moves in this match than anything Alicia Fox has done in the past two years. Justin Roberts then says something, something, history, made the Georgia Dome, something, something, 71,617. Woo, 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 we know it. It is now time for our main event of the evening. New York. I'm The Miz. You're
1: crazy, man. The Miz is a character I created, and uh, he's ready for the big leagues. To be the man, you gotta be. This is the true story of when the man's came to the million dollar tough enough challenge. Awesome. got. You would say I have no talent. Time Why are you here? Miss, you shouldn't be here. Like you should definitely You in. should go back and- but You know. There's no turning back now. You all were wrong. This is what makes me. All of you. This is what I am, Feel me. I- something i'm not you want to hate me then hate me what can i do but keep getting money funny i was just like you i had to hustle hard never give up until i made it now y'all saying that's a clever d- nothing to play with hate on me i blew, but i'm the same og people warn me when you on top there's envy criticize when i float for the street hate my dress code gucci this fendi that what you expect? People yo? fear what they don't understand, hate what they can't conquer. Guess it's just the fury of man became a monster Atop top of the world, never falling. I'm as real as they come. From day one, forever falling. Are you getting this? It is. It is. The most must-see champion. The poster child. But I won't stop, I won't stop now. The new face Something of the entire been. WWE. WWE. Hate me now. Come on people But I But I won't stop now. Won't stop
0: now. It ain't gonna never I stop. Can't. In a statement that I would call apropos, that was a fucking awesome video package. To Miz's credit, even though he feels a little bit like Jericho WrestleMania 18 here. Uh, he was really good in this role. He was really good at making people hate him. Still is. I mean, even though he's currently a quote-unquote babyface on the current product. Um, you go back even a year or so ago and Miz was making everybody hate him with such ease. But Miz was starting to learn how to do that really well in the lead-up to to this WrestleMania. I'd say 2010 through 2011 is where Miz started becoming that ultra heel that was so good at it. Miz and Alex Riley make their way to the ring through awesome balloons. Nothing very special about the balloons. They literally just spelled out awesome. A gospel choir and a DMX sermon are incorporated into John Cena's entrance tonight. The crowd, and rightfully so, boos the fucking shit out of this. Now, I'm sorry, albeit for me to get all, you know, urban here, but you are in the dirty, dirty south of Hotland. Did you really think that you could send a white boy to the ring with that type of entrance in the south in atlanta home of Ludacris, and jermaine dupree and usher and other very very influential uh people in the hip-hop culture And you thought you could send John Cena out there with a gospel choir and a DMX sermon and not get backlash. (laughs) Are you fucking retarded? You know, sometimes I think they do it on purpose. How can we get them to boo him more? Well, you know. (laughs) Stick him in front of that crowd and and try to make it seem okay. That, That should do the job. As the match starts, Miz and Cena trade near falls in the first few minutes. Very safe. Very basic. Cena hits the Famouser off the top rope, which literally was set up in slow motion. You know, John got to the top rope. He waited for a little bit for Miz to stumble up. Miz stumbled up to his, you know, to both legs and and waited and looked for John to come off the top rope, like okay, I'm ready, I- I'm in the spot now, and then John came off the top rope, and I was like, wow, Jesus, that was fucking choreographed, like, sh- and it came off looking just awful. Uh, this match, speaking of awful, this match is very methodical, which is really fucking weird, cause you'd expect that type of match from Cena versus Big Show. I don't think you really expect it from Cena versus Miz. At one point, Cena hits the five-knuckle shuffle, but Miz escapes an AA attempt into a DDT. Miz gets a two-count and then unties the turnbuckle pad from the top turnbuckle. This allows Cena to recover and lock Miz in the STF. Miz makes it to the ropes to break the hold behind the ref's back. Alex Riley slams Cena's face into the exposed turnbuckle. Miz then hits the skull-crushing finale. But of course, Cena kicks out. Cena then does hit the AA, but knocks down referee Mike Coyote in the process. This allows Riley to sneak into the ring and crack Cena in the back of the head with the briefcase. Miz covers, but Cena kicks out. While Riley argues with the ref, Miz tries to hit Cena with the briefcase again, but Cena recovers and reverses and hits the AA. Miz barely, and I mean fucking barely, kicks out. And then both men fight to the outside. John clotheslines Miz over the barricade. John then jumps off of the barricade and spears Miz onto the floor. Both men are then counted out. I'm dead serious, by the way. Justin Roberts announced the match as a double countout, but still your WWE champion, The Miz. So Miz's music starts to play. This is pretty quickly interrupted by The Rock's music. Rock makes his way to the ring, and as he steps foot in between the ropes, that motherfucking email chime goes off again. The Rock goes to the laptop... Opens it, begins to read it, and then says, It doesn't matter what the stupid laptop thinks. And he tosses the laptop to the concrete below. Rock then restarts the match under no disqualification, no countout, no time limit. You could almost say that there's no holds barred. Cena drags Miz back inside the ring and attempts an attitude adjustment. The Rock stalks Cena from behind, and as soon as Cena turns around, Rock nails him with a rock bottom. Huge pop for the rock bottom, especially to John Cena. Miz then crawls across Cena and pins him for the win. Your winner and still the Miz. So let me get this (laughs) straight. We're going to restart the match. No DQ, no countout, no time limit. Two moves later, the match is over. Ugh. Why didn't you just eliminate the entire no countout thing and just have this be the finish, you know, with a simple run-in? I, I, don't, I don't really understand. Um, speaking of not understanding, this match was pretty fucking awful. I don't know if it was was Miz's fault. I don't know if it was Cena's fault. I don't know if these two just didn't click. But I was pretty much fucking falling asleep during the match. It was not good. Miz celebrates his world title defense, or WWE title defense, rather, for a very short while before Rock comes back into the ring. He beats on Miz and then hits him with the People's Elbow. The Rock then proceeds to celebrate like he just won the WWE title. We then play Rock's music and he takes us off the air like he just won the WWE title. Why can I picture, you know, Kevin Dunn in one of his cameraman's ears going, you know, get that title off him? I'm sorry. Get that camera off of Miss. We need more shots of The Rock. Uh, match of the night. Triple H versus The Undertaker. Really hard hitting. Really aggressive. Really dug this whole story. Worst match of the night. And this may or may not surprise you. Was the eight man tag. Between The Core. And Big Show and Kane and Kofi Kingston, and, oh, God, without looking, who the fuck was the other guy? Uh, I don't fucking know. Maybe it was Ray. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no, Ray fought Cody as the uh, not-so-dashing Cody Rhodes. So that's how fucking memorable that match was. Oh, that's right. It was Santino fucking Marella. Big Show Kane, Santino Marella, and Kofi Kingston versus The Core. What a stupid fucking match. And it was only a minute 35. And I know, I know the fucking rules. Squash matches get C's. But this is my fucking show. And tonight, squash matches get the worst match of the night. Somehow some way, this was not as bad as I thought it was, originally, before I rewatched it. Um, the anonymous Raw General Manager was, was bad. Was really bad. But he was bad since day one. He wasn't just bad at WrestleMania this year. Also, I feel like you made The Miz look like a complete chode at this show. Um the only reason he wins is because Rock helps him and then Rock doesn't let Miz leave with his heat because the last scene we see is Miz selling on the floor outside the ring after a people's elbow. So I didn't like that. If this show actually did get Sting, who knows how that would have gone? But it may not have affected it terribly, considering that, again, Triple H and Taker were good enough to put on a Match of the Night. As far as anything else on this show, there really wasn't much to say. You know, unfortunately, as I mentioned last episode, there was no money in the bank this episode. That tradition has pretty much ended at WrestleMania 27 now. Or, last time I was at a WrestleMania, I guess, was 26. And then they started doing Money in the Bank pay-per-views. But alas, um, we're not going to be able to get that anymore. Which is a fucking damn shame. At least not in my timeline. And, you know, I liked Randy Orton and CM Punk. Both guys probably could have been doing more in this card. But they didn't. They were paired up with each other and they did a fine job. So overall thoughts on this night, I would say it's actually not the worst ever, but the combination of Michael Cole being a heel, the anonymous Raw general manager, that horrid main event, probably going to say this was a uh, it was a crappy WrestleMania. It wasn't the crappiest of all time. But it was very plain and very basic. And you know what? Here's an apt comp. It felt like an episode of SmackDown. Nothing more, nothing less. It 100% other than Snooki did not make it feel like a WrestleMania. So there's that. Follow us on Twitter, guys, and thank you for listening to the show. You can follow us on Twitter at WrestleManiaSale. Next time it's WrestleMania 28. We have the best in the world, Chris. Jer- I'm sorry, the best in the world, CM Punk, versus the best in the world at what he does, Chris Jericho. We have once in a lifetime, except for it wasn't between Rock and Cena, and we have a rematch between the Undertaker and Triple H. I, myself, will have a special guest for that episode, you guys will just have to tune in to find out who it is. And until then, I will see yo ass next.